Hello again, my friends. Welcome to another round of Deep Dives with Father Sean, the most super Catholic catechesis podcast. Awesome. Love it, love it, love it. What do you think about my intro music? I don't know if there's any great thoughts about there. I kind of like it, actually. You know, after I do these episodes, I kind of have it stuck in my mind for a little while. And then because of the app I have on my phone that I use it with, sometimes after I do this, I'll hop in my car and I'll, I'll still be jamming on out. Yeah. And it, as the more it goes along, the more it kind of evolves into adding different instruments. I don't know what it is. Just found that online one day. Anywho, anywho, anywho. Uh, so we're kind of moving on to this next stage of the, uh, the series on the Eucharist. I'm particularly excited about this dimension on the sacrifice. For me, it has made the most impact on my life. Um, just today, someone had sent me a text uh, shout out to Shannon. I don't think she listens to my podcast. She must be a heretic or something. But she said that she listened on on the the formed app to the one of the you know there's the formed app on that. There's the series called Symbolon on the Symbolon series. <laughs> there's there's the episode of the Mass, and she says uh, that it was just huge. Um, this is the first time I watched this particular one, and I think I might play this for a class coming up, blah, blah, blah. It is explained so wonderfully. I feel like I'm going to go to Mass with an even bigger open heart. And she says, I think the whole congregation should watch it. Or the whole congregation should listen to Deep Dives with... What do I call this? Deep Dives with Father Sean, the Super Catholic Catechesis Podcast. That's the real solution. If there's any problem in the world, it's from not listening to this poor, bald little priest here who's sitting in his little office in a little poto. Mm. Very good. Um, it's a nice time of the year, beautiful time of the year. Just got back from a retreat, and it's warmer than most Octobers, which I love, I love, I love, I love. I could take my lovely walks in very comfortable weather. I like warm weather. I think October is the most beautiful month. But I still like it a little bit warmer, not going to lie. And I'm, you know, it's, I don't know if we've really had any cold, cold weather, but uh, we're pretty soon here. I'll be looking forward to April. But October is beautiful, and I'm very thankful for this. We have some beautiful, beautiful things coming up uh, here in Poto. We'll have an All Saints Day party, the first one. Uh, last weekend, we had a Merry Fest, Oktoberfest style, in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary during this month of the Rosary. And it was super fun. It was a great time. We had, we, before Mass started, it was just part of our normal Sunday Mass time. Before Mass started, we prayed a rosary together. We had Mass. After Mass, we went outside, uh, just kind of chit-chatted, had a few drinks, and um, we went bobbing for apples. And that was super fun. If you have never bobbed for apples, you need to do it. Um, this was great because like the little kids could get in there. I had to lead the way just to make sure <laughs> other people had the guts to do it. <laughs> so I led the way and, uh, I was harder than I thought. And then after me, it was like, okay, let's start with the kids. And then the kids went and, uh, they were having a hard time with it. The first, the poor first little girl <laughs> felt so bad because she couldn't get it. And then after she couldn't get it, she went and just cried to her mama. And then her dad stepped up after the other kids went and he's like, all right, all right, sweetheart, what color do you want? She's like, I want the red one. And he's like, I got it. And then he couldn't do it. <laughs> he finally got it, though. So after a little while, I had to tell the kids, like, okay, you can use a finger to help out. And it worked out fine. But uh, otherwise, some of these guys, it was it was really had a good turnout. Um, all these guys were j- dunking their heads in that water. I think there were 
six of us, six or seven of us grown men, giving, grown men giving it a turn. Then we went inside, ate some of our bratwurst that we had cooked up with all of our delicious food that was also brought in. And then after a good meal with some Oktoberfest music playing in the background, or German polka music, really, because we didn't really have words. I didn't really <laughs> want to have the song saying, in heaven there ain't no beer, that's why we drink it here. I remember that from a Czech fest from my childhood that I went to. It was pretty classic, though. And then at the end of the night, we had uh, we did the chicken dance together. We were kind of sitting in a circle already, so we just kind of got up and did the chicken dance. And then after that, I invited the men forward, and we sang, we serenaded our lady, we sang Immaculate Mary. It was awesome. It was great. Anyways, if anyone wants to do that, you can do it exactly as we did it. If we had a little more time, that'd be better. Mass is at 5 p.m. Kind of hard to do something before, kind of hard to do something after. So we did it afterwards and just didn't stay too long afterwards. But it was great. Super fun. Anyways, I'm getting distracted from why I am doing this podcast. So let's hop on in here. Let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. We call the mind that we are in God's holy presence. Lord Jesus Christ, we look to you for help, for salvation. We have our lives that owe everything to you. Your presence to us is a gift. Our presence to ourselves is a gift. And yet we've gone into all these other different ways as well. And Lord, we ask for help to, to repay this debt of our sins. We ask for help to be able to truly lay down our lives as a fitting sacrifice to your honor, to your glory, to your majesty. Help us to live joyfully under your glorious dominion as the king of the universe as the King of our hearts. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm looking forward to this episode. I am very much looking forward to this episode because this is not something that we get out in the world. It's not something intuitive. Uh, when we hear about the Mass as a sacrifice, we're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, it, it just doesn't grip us in any way. We hear about the sacrifice of Jesus, and we just say, okay, it was a sacrifice. But we don't get it at all. And because we don't get that, there's a big big gap there in our understanding of salvation. Um, in the Protestant circles, they will go down the Roman road. Not the Roman Catholic Church road, but down the Roman road. They'll walk through the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. And there they will get, they will absorb a sense of sacrifice because it's throughout that letter. It's throughout the letter. And even at the end of the letter, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's almost kind of like after you've heard all the doctrine now, this is what you should do. You should give your lives as a living sacrifice to God. But it kind of walks down this path of here we are, we know God, everyone knows God. No one is innocent. No one is ignorant. No one is innocent of of, uh, of the sins either. In knowing God, we've known his law. In knowing his law, we've known his good. In knowing his good, the good, we have fallen short of that. We can't get it back. We are stuck. We have separated ourselves from him. And that's kind of the the point where where Paul's trying to lead his people. 
you have erred and there's nothing you can do about it. God is too big for you to bridge that gap, to pay back your debt. You can't do it. You're up a creek. But this is the good news. Jesus came to the world and he offered up his life as the payment of that debt. He offered up his life as the bridge to cross that gap that we have caused, that separation that we have caused. He has given himself as the eternal sacrifice to a loving Father for us. And therefore, we can have communion with God. We enter into that communion with God. He doesn't use the word communion. Um, but we enter into that, uh, he doesn't use the word relationship, I guess covenant maybe, uh, through faith, through faith, through faith, to just simply accepting Jesus's stepping in for us and allowing his sacrifice to be sufficient for our sacrifice. Um, this is the Roman road. So that's a little bit of the background. I would say we also don't get the idea of sacrifice in our world because we don't have a sense of justice. And I want to use this as a touch point to, to launch into the, the teaching of the day. Justice is really going to be where we're, we're drawing up all the, the resources to talk about sacrifice and offering and the priesthood and religion. All right, so the virtue of justice is foundational. You know, it's not like Jesus came up with the idea of justice. No. Uh, in fact, uh, during the time of Plato, Plato kind of came up with a solid definition. I don't remember if he, he came up with it or if he just kind of made it more public. But his understanding of justice was mm. to give to someone what you owe them, to render the other what you owe. Uh, I owe you f five bucks. If I'm going to be a just person, I have to give you five bucks. <laughs> if I bought a car from you, that means I have to pay you for the car because I owe that payment to you. If I am your father and you're my child, I owe you a roof over your head. I owe you food on your plate, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I owe you my, my love and my, my mm. closeness and my presence as a father. If I am the child and you are the father, then I will owe you honor, respect, obedience, and so on. It's, it's an important part of reality. We don't talk mm. about that. We want to jump right into love. But there is no true love without justice. Let me repeat that. There is no true love without justice. Anyone who truly wants to make an impact in the world through love, through charity, has to first accept that there is real justice in the world and that there is real injustice in the world. And love recognizes both those dimensions. It pays back what is just. And when it can't be paid back, well, that's when love kicks in. It just keeps on giving. <laughs> it keeps on giving. So justice is huge we just try to not think about justice which is so bad so wrong so wrong i'm talking about justice in my homily this weekend or when you first hear this it'll be my, my past homily because it's about rendering to caesar what is caesar and render to god what is god's and that is all about justice i owe god everything I owe God everything. This is why it was a trap that those people were setting. I owe God everything. And the Pharisees were trying to say, okay, well, if you owe God everything, that means you owe the government, especially the evil Roman government, nothing. And therefore, we should not pay taxes, right, Jesus? And he's expecting them, 
they are expecting him to say, absolutely, that's right. You know, there's no way you can pay taxes because you owe everything to God. But he says instead, give to God what's God's, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's. And there's a little bit more to that. But ultimately, all authority comes from God. And by giving or recognizing the authority of God, we must also recognize God's authority as uh, stewarded by other human beings, like Caesar in this case. All right, so I'm getting beyond my scope here. But because we don't think of justice, we don't think of sacrifice. But it is really an important thing. So let's hop on in here. Justice is to give another their due. And the very highest form of justice is to give the highest to the highest, to give the highest possible gift or thing that is owed to the highest possible being. The highest possible being is who? Yeah, it's God, not complicated. And the highest possible gift or rendering to God, well, what is that? Well, ultimately, that is uh, an interior reality. You know, we could cut off a finger and hate God's guts. <laughs> that doesn't work. He doesn't want a finger. He doesn't want an ear. He doesn't want an eyeball. He wants everything of who you are. And so the very core gift of God, the highest gift of God, is to give the image of God back to God. Just as Jesus took the coin and he said, whose image do you see here? They said, oh, it's the image of Caesar. Well, you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You give to God what belongs to God. And what if the image of Caesar on the coin was to be rendered back to Caesar? Where is the image of God that should be rendered back to God? That is the entirety of the human person. The entirety of the human person. Because we were made in the image and likeness of God. You are the highest possible gift that you can give to the highest, God himself. More or less, where there's going to be some nuance to that, but that's, that's what it is in a nutshell. Uh, just a little bit of scripture verse to highlight that there's this interior giving that we owe to God. And it's the greatest thing that, that I have in my capacity to give. In Psalm 50, we kind of have this, there's this dialogue with God. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So God's saying like, hey, look, I'm not really interested in all these, these drinks that you're giving me, the blood of goats and cows. And, you know, it's just not that tasty. It's not really fitting for me. I want you offer to me a sacrifice of thanks. Fulfill your vows call on me on the day of trouble, I'm going to be there for you. That will glorify me. Psalm 51. For you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You take no pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not spurn. And here it is saying that the humbled heart, the broken heart, the contrite heart, the heart that comes to God, saying, I, I have gone, but I have come back, and I give my heart to you. That's what pleases God. Uh, not in these, these bloody sacrifices. Okay? Uh, another place. Oh, I didn't write down where this came from. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. 
Burnt offering and sin offerings you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the roll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy laws within my heart. This comes from one of the Psalms. Psalm 40, I believe. And later on, the letter to the Hebrews will absorb this, and it'll change it a little bit. Um, that's kind of the privilege of being inspired by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a, but a humble, contrite heart to the Lord. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. And then I said, Behold, Lord, I come to do your will. And it's doing God's will that is the great sacrifice here. Okay, so this is our sacrifice, the core of our sacrifice. It is the give, the gift of our entire selves. And the most important, the core of our entire selves is our will, our intelligence, our heart, our heart. Very good. And what does it mean for a human being to do this? Well, it means two different things. As we render this interior sacrifice, which is the greater sacrifice, well, we also must take into account that we are human beings that are physical. We got a body. And that's a great thing. That's an awesome thing. It's not like something gross and nasty. That's what the angels, the fallen angels thought. That's not our thinking. Our, our bodies are good. They're gifts from God. And it also summons us to have this interior gift to God made manifest in physical and bodily signs and manifestations. So now it's not just me praying, God, I give you everything. I thank you, Lord. I praise you and I adore you, whatever it might be. Now it is, I got to give you stuff. God, I gotta give you like my my life. Like I have to make my choices based on you. I have to make manifest this. I I have to do something to sacrifice. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that sacrifice is. But at this point, it's important to just to recognize uh, this sacrifice has to be bodily. There has to be something physical going on. There really does. The second dimension of the meaning of humanity, being human for a sacrifice, is it's also social. We are social animals. We have fallen away from God together, and our hope is to return to God together. And so it's not just each person offering up their own sacrifice to God. No, it's, it's people together uniting themselves to offer the sacrifice to God. So our sacrifice will necessarily be manifested in a bodily, physical way, and it will necessarily be manifested in a social way. I'm talking at the natural level here. I've used some scripture to point out a little bit, but I'm talking about the natural level. This is going to be a reality for pagans. This will be the reality for early Jewish uh, sacrifice, you know, this is what's going to be, this is what happens, you know, in Aboriginal sacrifice in Australia, Native American sacrifice in, here in the U.S., or Aztec, or Mayan, or, uh, you know, wherever you want to choose, Africa, Asia, blah, 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 Europe back in the day, you know, there was always these forms of sacrifice. And this is, we're trying to get into the experience that we owe God something. He is the highest and we should give him the best. The best is our interior yes to him and, and accepting his dominion. And we must do that in a bodily, physical way. And we must do that in a social way. So that's kind of a, a reiteration of what we've been talking about. And we don't get this because we don't have a sense of justice in our culture. 
So that's a bummer. We also don't have a sense of bodily re realities. Like we kind of scorn our bodies. You know, it's kind of like we like to use our bodies, but only for the, the pleasure that it brings. We don't honor our bodies as bodies very often. You know, <laughs> a lot of times people go on diet just so they can eat more, right? You know, <laughs> or so they can look better and they feed their vanity. But no, we should we should eat temperately. We should exercise appropriately because it's good to have a body and we have a responsibility for it. Um, we also don't have a good understanding of what it means to be a social creature. <laughs> Here in the United States, it's really hard to discover this, this idea of sacrifice because we just don't like to be together. We don't like bodies. We don't like physical stuff. We don't like blah, blah, blah. We don't like being just. We love to just jump into charity instead. No, 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 no. It is important to be just, and it's important to be physical, and it's important to be social, and especially directing these three realities to God. Very good. Now let's talk a little bit more about what this sacrifice will look like when it's done in a physical, social way. Well, first off, it's placed on an altar. And when placed on an altar, you talk with whoever people are always going to use rocks as their altar. And it's significant. It's significant. It's just, or maybe it could be a big old fat trunk of a tree that's been sheared off. But there it is, this, this flat reality that's substantial, that's significant. And you have this dead lamb on it. And it represents that this is no longer in my hands. It represents on our end a total letting go. I'm not getting it back. There it is on the table there. And also just reveals physically that my goodness god's total dominion is over this now it's out of my hands into god's hands now let's talk about the purpose of sacrifice the purpose of sacrifice is going to be these four dimensions pretty clear and guess what you quite likely already know them because the four goals of sacrifice are the four goals of prayer and so we have you know, the A-C-T-S, did you ever learn that as you learned how to pray? Acts, first off, it's adoration, second, contrition, thirdly, no, yeah, thanksgiving, then fourthly, sat, uh, supplication. So first off, these are, the f these are the four goals of prayer, but these are the four goals of sacrifice here. First off, adoration, adoration, that we manifest in a physical way of our hearts and our bodies, God's dominion over creation. This is the fundamental act of adoration. I am amazed by you, God, and I put myself under your dominion. Secondly, thanks. God has given to us good stuff, and we give those good things to God. Thank you, God. And here's a sacrificial gift back to you. Thirdly, contrition, to make propitiation for sin, to heal the damage that's caused by sin. When we sin, we, we incur a debt against the person that we sinned against. It's always against God, but it could also be other people. And so this contrition, this, this, this sacrifice of sin, is looking now to repair that damage, to say we're sorry. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but it's a bridge that we can't. A fix on our own. We will need some divine help. Then the fourth goal of sacrifice is to obtain a blessing, to get some aid, supplication, to 
to ask God, please supply for my need right here, and to have this, this, this gift. And there is also, you could also say there's a fifth goal of, of sacrifice, because it's kind of the result after all the sacrifices, that there is communion, there's oneness, there's a restoration, the, the relationship has been healed and been ordered correctly. When you talk about sacrifice, there's this idea of ordering. I make my sacrifice to order the different elements of my life back to God, back to how it should be. I have worked too much, and therefore I'm going to take a day of vacation to go on a pilgrimage, because that way I will order my life back to God. I have you know, trying to think of other examples here. You know, I've I've neglected my my prayer life. I've just been lazy here. So I am going to do an extra hour of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. And I'm going to be on my knees during it because I've been lazy in my prayer. So I'm going to be extra assiduous in my prayer and fervent in my prayer. And I'm going to represent that physically by being on my knees. I'm going to represent that physically by being on my knees. So that is, at the natural level, how this works. That's how this works. Interesting thing here, through the history of sacrifice, pagan stuff, early Jewish stuff, sacrifice always has a life to it. You never sacrifice jewels. You never sacrifice gold. You can give that to God, but we don't really call that a sacrifice. That would be more of an oblation or a gift, technical distinction. But gift, giving gifts to God are good. <laughs> but a sacrifice has this sense of what I'm giving, it's, it's being changed. And so the fundamental realities that are being given are the things that are easiest to be changed, uh, that which is organic. But there's other senses of this. Now, the life is what is important here. The life is given to God, the life of an animal, or it could be the life of wheat or whatever else is being offered because in the old testament there are definitely wheat offerings bread offerings and that came from a living creature that was died that was crushed and that was molded into bread and cooked into bread and it was given to god as a sacrifice and it would be burnt or consumed so these uh, living beings had their lives then being committed to God, and it would be eaten or burnt primarily. This is this is what the sacrifice was, and the life dimension is important for four different reasons. First off, the life that we give to God of the the goat or the bull or whatever it is, or the wheat, it represents our dependence on God as the source of life. God, I I recognize that all life comes from you, and therefore I am giving this life back to you. Secondly, it represents our need to offer what is highest in order to accomplish the goal of the sacrifice. It represents our need to offer what is highest. That is to say, our lives but if I gave my life, it's really not helping me. <laughs> you know, I can't give my whole life as a as a as a blood offering. No, because I got to be living in order to be able to benefit from this, and I do hope for benefits. So, therefore, I'm going to take another living being, which is going to be representing my living being, and I will then 
give that to God in a way that I'm not going to get it back again. So this is the third dimension. It represents the complete gift to God, the completeness of this gift to God. Uh, it, you know, when an animal dies, you can't bring it back to life. Once you, you know, cut a, a grain of wheat, you know, you ain't gonna get it back again. It's, it's, you can't just put it back on the plant. <laughs> nope, it's, it's got to die, and it's going to be dead. And so the gift of, of a living being is representing the completeness of the gift to God. Fourthly, most beautifully, most importantly, it prepares for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It prepares for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on his cross. We're kind of addressing more of the natural elements of, of sacrifice, so we're not going to get into that too much, but the next episode we're going to be really honing in on that. So I now want to highlight the, the next conclusion that we have from this sacrifice. If, it's, if there is this sacrifice, then it has to be offered. And the person offering this person on behalf of the social community is what has always been called a priest. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. So, you know, pick your, your group from the past that has offered sacrifice. They're going to call. There's always a priest who does it. There's always a priest who does it. And that's not because they all teamed up and said, okay, you go down to Guatemala. You go over to Nigeria. You go to Tibet, wherever it is. And we're all going to follow the same fashion of priesthood. No, it's intuited. It's intuited that there is one representative of the community to give these sacrificial gifts to God. And this is what we call a priest. It's what we call a priest. Um, this is all part of the natural law. Very good. Very good, very good, very good. Now, part of this priesthood is going to be that he's a mediator. Now, a mediator has two different directions. There is the ascending direction and the descending direction. The ascending dimension highlights our role here. So the priest will then be giving gifts on behalf of the people to God, maybe to seek the, the calming of the wrath of God or whatever it might be. So it's us sending it up. Think of the incense. The incense is sent upward. The incense is sent upward. It floats upward, representing our gift to God. The second direction is the descending direction. God receives the gift, and he is pleased by the gift, and he therefore showers us with blessings. So this is the descending part of that. And that also, uh, traditionally, you know, pick your, your, your pagan group or whatever, or even the Christian, uh, excuse me, excuse me, even in the Catholic Christian tradition, it happens through, through the priest as well. Think about Jesus Christ again. So, very good. The priesthood is really, really an, an ascending dimension and a descending dimension, and he's the mediator. He's the mediator. We can talk about the natural priesthood. We can talk about the revealed priesthood in the Old Testament. Think about Aaron. Actually, before Aaron, there was sacrifice. 
and it was done originally by the father of the family who was acting on behalf of his family to offer these gifts to God. Melchizedek was another exception to that. Um, because of the sin in the desert, um, that familial priesthood was taken away from families and was oriented towards the bigger community with Aaron, his sons, the broader Levites. That's the Old Testament priesthood. The New Testament is based on Jesus Christ as the only true mediator mediator between God and man as continued um, in the church today. All right. How's that going? Any questions? Any questions? Well, if you do have questions, that's just a bummer because I can't hear you. But you're always welcome to ask me however, however it might come. Now, just a quick little note on natural natural law here. What I mean by natural law, uh, this is all part of the natural law that God has established in our humanity. This means that it can be observed by nature, or not observed, it can be reasoned out without the help of revelation. God doesn't have to come in and say, hey, do this. No, we look at the world, we make sense of the world, we make sense of what's going on, and we, we act accordingly. In regard to religion, natural religion, these are the steps that we, by which we receive natural, the religion of natural law. First off, we can reason that there's a higher being who governs all things. He's the gateway of all aid, wisdom, and mercy. All good things come from him. He governs everything. Okay, this is what you can observe uh, by just observing the universe. Where the heck did this all come from? You know, that's the big question. Well, it must come from somebody, a first cause. Secondly, those who are governed must obey. It's not too complicated. <laughs> those who govern must obey. Thirdly, man can know that it is fitting that his subjection to God be represented in external and sensible signs. This is why there's sacrifice. Okay, God is there, um, and I should give him gifts, and these gifts should not just be quiet little prayers in my heart, but it should be manifested publicly even. And then fourthly, you know, I just want to say that this is kind of intuitive, you know, this is kind of intuited by all different people. Whenever there's the people that are governed, they recognize that there is something to be given to the governing body. So, for example, a coronation ceremony, you know, the crowning of a new king or queen in England, it's a big deal. The people love it. They owe this to their king and queen, and so they, they go all out. Or we think of handing the keys of the city to someone special and new to represent we are being governed by you, and we trust in you. Or the Pledge of Allegiance before a flag. You know, these are different ways of, of offering some form of gift to some form of governance that we intuit even still today. And if we recognize that there is a God who governs the universe, then it would be a natural thing to intuit that we would also have some kind of a public worship. So, where we will jump in next time is from the problem. The problem is we don't accept this subjugation to the, the divine governor. We sin. We take on a debt when we sin. We can't pay it back. We can't give a return. We can't repair that damage in this relationship. Um, that's just a bummer. We can offer a sin sacrifice, but God doesn't drink the blood of goats, as we heard. 
and therefore we we got to think about something else. We have to really look no longer on our end, but on God's end. Uh, to read from Hebrews chapter ten, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of the realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices which are continually offered up year after year, make perfect those who draw near. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. And so, God is going to intervene, and we will get into revealed religion next round, and the very fundamental reality of this. Peace be with you all. Thank you for tuning in. If you find this helpful, share it with a friend, share it with an enemy, share it with a priest, share it with a, uh, your, your grandma who doesn't know how to work podcasts, whatever, you know, just let it out, let it out there, get it on out. Um, give a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten star review. Don't give anything less because it's pointless. It doesn't help me out at all. <laughs> you can just ignore it if you don't like it. Um, anyways, peace to y'all. God bless you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. See you the next time on Deep Dives with Father Sean, the Super Catholic Catechesis Podcast.